Welcome to Thoughts in the Market. I'm Andrew Sheets, Chief Cross Asset Strategist for Morgan Stanley Research. And I'm Matthew Harrison, Equity Research Analyst covering biotechnology. And today on part one of this podcast, we'll be addressing concerns over COVID-19 variants and hotspots and talk about the state of vaccinations globally. It's Thursday, June 24th at 2 p.m. in London. And 9 a.m. in New York. So, Matt, I was thinking back to last year around April when you and I did our first episode about the coronavirus. And while it's comforting to have more certainty around the virus than we did in those early days of lockdown, news around variants tells us that while we all might be through with the virus, it's perhaps not quite through with us. So maybe let's start with your outlook for variants and global hotspots, given some of the recent news around spread in different parts of the world. As I look across the data, I think vaccine hesitancy is becoming more of an issue than vaccine supply. I know we've talked about that in detail previously. And then secondly, I think the issue of not new mutations, but new variants. And I think this is a bit of a nuanced topic, but important to discuss. And what I mean here is, I think we've seen many of the mutations that we're likely to find, but the combinations of these mutations tends to be what causes more issues. And so, for example, while the mutations in the Delta variant we have seen before, we haven't seen them together in the same way that they are in the Delta variant. And so this variant, obviously, which emerged from India, is causing more of concern globally as it becomes more dominant. And that's because people still aren't vaccinated and this variant can spread quite quickly in those populations. So that's a great kind of segue into the question around vaccinations and and how effective they'll be against these variants. You know, what does the data suggest and are there differences that we see between the different vaccines or the amount of vaccination that's taken place in terms of controlling them? Yes. So the good news, I think, here is that vaccines are still proving highly effective. Data from Public Health England has suggested that the mRNA vaccines are still greater than 80 percent effective against the Delta variant, which is quite high. And, you know, even if you look at some of the other vaccines, they're still north of 60% effective, uh, according to data from Public Health England. And perhaps the most important point here is against hospitalizations, it appears that the vaccines are still greater than 90% effective, irrespective of the vaccine. So I think from a public health standpoint, keeping people out of hospital is is the biggest factor um, in terms of keeping the economy open. So, Matt, you mentioned vaccine hesitancy becoming a bigger issue in some places than vaccination availability. And, you know, if you look at the U.S., vaccination rates vary a lot state by state, even county by county. So do you think the vaccination progress in the U.S. is now stalled or are there factors that you think could cause those rates to make another push higher later in the year? I think that we can see those rates increase again. I think we've seen two factors. So your first point is definitely correct. If you look at states, for example, if you look at a state like New York, where we're north of 70 percent of the population vaccinated versus a state like Mississippi or Alabama um, or Louisiana, which is more around 35 percent, there's a significant disparity. I think actually you're seeing greater hesitancy in uh, younger populations, perhaps maybe because they weren't as impacted by the virus to begin with, but also perhaps I think because uh, schools have not yet required vaccination like they do for other types of vaccination for enrollment. So I think as we as we start to see policies roll out ahead of the new school year in the U.S., that may change the trajectory a bit. So I was just wondering if you could talk a bit more about how you see that 
vaccination picture outside the U.S.? You know, what what could the world look like in a year or will it take two years or more to kind of get the types of widespread vaccinations that could really make, um, you know, immunity or herd immunity a, a worldwide phenomenon? I don't think you're going to see, let's say, enough vaccine distributed globally to have a broad impact on many of these countries until the end of 2022. So it's my hope that as we enter 2023, you should see significant uptake of vaccines globally. That's sort of the first point. But what's happened, and you've seen this, you know, especially with what happened in India recently as an example, but what I'll call the replication velocity of the virus, meaning the amount of transmission that occurring has been so high that the virus has actually mutated at a rate which is more similar to what we've seen with the flu than not. And so I think for at least the next two years, probably, many markets, even those that have been well vaccinated, are still going to need to look um, for ways to try and figure out how to protect their populations. So I think there's going to be a sort of a two-pronged push here, which will be primary vaccination series over the course of 2022 for many of the countries that didn't have availability as all of the supply basically comes online at the end of this year. And then secondarily, countries that have been fully vaccinated, trying to figure out in what way and what populations may be more vulnerable to these mutants, which are likely to continue to develop over the course of 2022. So, Matt, I wanted to look ahead a bit to this fall and, and winter. You know, uh, sure, many people listening have been vaccinated. And so the question is, well, what's the next step? I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on on what's the timeline for booster shots. Is this going to be a case where when people get their annual flu shot, they get their annual COVID shot? Or is it something else? So I think it's, this is sort of a complicated thing because the science, which is going to tell us about how durable vaccines are and how well people are protected is not going to be fully available by the time we get to this winter. So it is quite possible that people could be well protected with the current vaccination series they have. But there's also other reasons to believe that they may not be protected. And and some of the emerging evidence, as an example, is if you go back and you look at some Latin American countries, there are examples of villages where, and the, you know, rainforest type villages, where almost the entire population of the village had the original strain of the virus. And then a new variant developed in in South America, the P1 variant, and almost the entire population of that village was reinfected. So the natural infection was not durable enough to overcome the mutation. So I think there are also reasons to believe that it may be necessary to have booster shots, especially when you have a high amount of viral circulation. Now, the separate part to that is once we get to a point where we have a substantial amount of the global population vaccinated and we start to see just lower spread of the virus globally, I think the guidance may change. But perhaps more importantly, we'll also be in a place where we will probably have the long term scientific evidence to say how long vaccination immunity lasts. And so we'll be able to make a much more informed view probably over the course of a few years. You know, it's something that is kind of easy to forget when the weather's nice and and warm outside. But, you know, this is a virus that does seem to have a, a seasonal pattern to it. 
you know, as we head towards the winter, what are the different variables that you'd be watching for that could kind of dictate what the winter could be like with regards to COVID and, and how different or similar it would be from last winter? I think in the U.S., as an example, I think that's mainly going to depend on how large the unvaccinated population is. I think if you look at the infectiousness of the Delta variant, we should expect to see new hotspots develop in areas where vaccination rates are low. How that is relative to last winter, we should clearly expect case numbers to be lower, right? I've seen estimates of, of when people do modeling of case rates of you know, 20 to 30 percent of, of, of last winter's peak. And that doesn't seem unreasonable to me. Now, the second thing, and I think this is probably important to talk about, is hopefully by this winter and, and definitely by sort of spring next year, we should have many more drugs available for unvaccinated populations, whether that is uh, better antibody drugs to treat those people or potentially even a pill you could take which could help treat patients who are unvaccinated. So hopefully we'll have enough drugs in the arsenal to be able to not have a significant hospital capacity issue, even if you do see a spike from variants impacting the unvaccinated population. Well, that's certainly something to hope for and something that we'll need to keep an eye on. Matt, as always, thanks for taking the time to talk. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with part two of my conversation with Matthew Harrison, where we'll talk about the implications for the broader U.S. healthcare sector. As a reminder, if you enjoy Thoughts in the Market, please take a moment to rate and review us on the Apple Podcasts app. It helps more people find the show. The preceding content is informational only and based on information available when created. It is not an offer or a solicitation, nor is it tax or legal advice. It does not consider your financial circumstances and objectives and may not be suitable for you. 